Welcome to Genuine Life Recovery. We're here to help you and your loved ones overcome addictions and other addiction-related mental health challenges. In this show, we dive into the physical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual aspects of addiction, mental health, recovery, family dynamics, codependency, and more. You can listen on your favorite app or at jodystevens.org. Genuine Life Recovery is made possible by great friends like Joshua's Heart in memory of Joshua Brent Moore, bringing hope, love, and awareness to those afflicted by addiction online at joshesheart.org and Jody Stevens Productions for commercial voiceover, narration, production, MC, and public speaking online at jodystevens.org. Hey, welcome back, friends. I'm Jody Stevens. We are talking with my friend Dave Atherton. Dave is founder of Atherton New Living Recovery, New Living Coaching. So he does a lot of awesome recovery coaching, and it's AthertonLive.com. And also the author of a great book called Addiction Gravity Love, right here by Dave Atherton. Dave, thanks for hanging out. Awesome, thank you for having me. You are my first live in studio, camera on camera guest. It's exciting, thanks for having me. I know, it's it's super fun. So you keep, he's threatened to bring me this book a couple times and you finally did. So I still have only gotten past the free part that I could read, you know, the look inside on Amazon. So I haven't actually read the whole book yet, but what I have read is very, very, very good. And I like the the title, but I don't exactly know what it all means. So maybe just quickly kind of say, tell us where you came up with that addiction, gravity, love. They're all concepts that make sense from a recovery perspective, but maybe the gravity one might be a little confusing for some people. (laughs) Well, addiction, it's self-explanatory. Yeah, the yeah. gravity aspect was my thought that when it comes to uh, when we go to rehab or whatever basically comes down to that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you finally have reached the end. You're going to rehab. Right. And you live through it. Well, my theory is that no matter how high we get and intoxicated from drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. we're coming back down at some point. Oh. And so I feel that gravity is the best way to interpret yeah. how... We're coming back down and unfortunately we lose a lot of people because of addiction yeah, yeah. and but that also shows gravity is going to grab every one of us mm. doesn't matter how high we get we're coming back down gravity is the low <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. and sometimes there's a beauty in low because when you've yeah. been low you know there's only the <laughs> you have to go up from there yeah. gravity has to take you up from there so yeah. in some ways it's a good place to be so i know your story of overcoming addiction to opiates Give us, so whenever anyone has a story, it's usually, there's a lot to our story. So kind of the two to five minute version of where you were, what happened, right? And where are you now? Right. Well, uh, to start off growing up in Lake Tahoe, Nevada, I just being a mountain kid, being outside outdoorsy, I learned risk reward quickly. So for me, I knew that I could gain popularity, be cool with other kids Uh by taking risks. One of the big things that I noticed as a kid didn't gravitate towards school. So I gravitated towards athletics. Athletics ended up, I I fell in love with the game of football Mm -hmm. and football ended up getting me off to college. In college, I fell in love with the mental health field. I started working Mm -hmm. with mentally ill kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and always in between all of my life, I've always love drugs. Mm -hmm. And one of the things about sports and football in particular is that 
there's a lot of aches and pains. There's a lot of hurt. Right. And so right. there's surgeries. And so that, that equals mm-hmm. a lot of pain pills. Mm-hmm. And so I got my first taste of pain pills. And I knew that immediately I loved pain pills. Right. I knew mm-hmm. opiates were for me. So uh, I, I end up working in the mental health field. Also, alcohol was a big factor in my mm-hmm. life. And so years pass and my adult life, I was an alcoholic for 13 years. I was addicted to pain pills and heroin for six years. And I overdosed on an airplane. Oh and You were effectively what we would call an AA as a garbage can. <laughs> like, I, just do it all, bring it on. Absolutely. That's such an awful term, but that's, we would laugh yeah. about that. But yeah, so, so Dave OD'd on an airplane, which is the worst place yeah. you could probably ever be. So that yeah, must have been, and was that kind of the, like, this is it, the aha moment. Or you yes. kept going, didn't well, no, you? No, no, I, well, I went and I was in a coma. They had to induce me into a, a coma because of, oh uh, I was kicking so bad that they didn't know what was wrong with me when they got me to the hospital. So uh, it just got to a place where they gave me three different anesthetics, the third one being uh, putting me in the coma. Oh and gosh. so when I got up from the coma was more of the aha moment. But even mm-hmm. then, a couple of days later, it was actually about three or four days later, I went to a six-month abstinence-based rehab facility. Mm-hmm. But a couple of days into after the coma, my dad is just trying to just kill time so he can get me off to rehab. Mm-hmm. I went to my dealer's house, got two grams of heroin, oh and smoked gosh. two grams that night. And it was like my, you know, you just get that addiction, even though it's yeah. that aha moment, I need to go to rehab, I'm going to rehab. But still, you just want to have that one more great high. Right. And unfortunately, I think that's where a lot of people end up dead is that yeah. their body just can't handle it anymore. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. I knew I was heading that direction. Wow. It's just like food and everything. I mean, I still struggle with it now. Start the diet Monday, just one more mm-hmm. cookie, just one more thing of ice cream. It's yeah. like, okay, you know, I got sober 17 years ago, but I still have that stupid conversation yeah. with myself and my husband and I were both 50. He's 51. So we're like, we yeah. have got to get some weight off, get in shape. I said, but we keep doing the same thing. (laughs) Like he goes, he goes, he goes, well, would would any of those overeaters (laughs) No, I mean, I have an MS and addiction counseling. He goes, would any of those meetings teach you anything you don't already know? I'm like, no, (laughs) you know, and it's, we, we can laugh about food, but it's that same concept of insanity. Like it'll be different this time, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that I found fascinating in the world of sobriety is the world of food. Mm -hmm. And food is very similar to the world of drugs. We spend so much energy just doing this repetitively, not realizing the effect it has on our body. And when we really start to pay a lot of attention to how foods affect us, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking to yourself, man, this reminds me of when I was addicted to drugs. Take this drug, get this effect. Yeah. And when... You can come to terms that you're sick of waking up feeling sluggish and feeling down. And when you really start to address, for one, it's the admittance that the food is what's getting you. Waking up, popping rollies because you have heartburn and acid reflux. And anyway, a whole nother discussion, but it's the same thing where it's the same. Like I still have that addictive mentality and then I'll go 
and I won't, I'll fast, you know, and get and drop. Yeah, like yeah. I recently dropped 30 pounds and then I just gained 18 more back. It's like the roller coaster, yeah. you know, I mean, but, but it's okay. I mean, I think it's common in recovery. We, we, we so can too. switch addictions and do stuff like that, but it's that same mentality of just thinking it'll be different. I can handle it. I'll do it next week, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I know you talk about in your book is confronting our addiction. This is a little bit of what we just talked about. If you Google confronting your addiction, the only thing that comes up is confronting the addict, confronting the addict. Yeah. And I thought, well, what about when we confront ourselves? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, and back to kind of what we were saying and i hear this so much with people that have overcome addiction particularly fentanyl is that they they thought that they could handle it like big dudes the guy we were talking about um calvin brown like big dudes that are like i thought i could handle it and then they then they'll like look at me and be like i couldn't handle it like i could not handle that and you were kind of like that too Right. Yeah. Football tough. I can see you're pretty in shape thinking, oh, I can handle it. It's yeah. the kids that are dying. It's the ones with the right. high with the low tolerance. And the reality is that's that denial. So when did you and how did you finally confront yourself? Not so much people confronting you, but you confronting you. And what does that look like for someone rehab, who struggles with addiction? Rehab, without a doubt. One of the, the greatest things about the rehab that I went to, it was a six month abstinence-based facility. Uh-huh. And I remembered I was absolutely frightened to go have to go through withdrawals again. Right. And to be amongst a bunch of peers that were just like me, that was really nice. And so it gave me, the main thing I always tell people is time. Mm-hmm. I needed time to just, I was forced to look at myself. And I think, you know, when we were sitting here just talking about food a second ago, it comes <laughs> down to that war within. Yeah. And so, well, a big part of the war within is being honest with yourself. Right. I right. think, you know, we do so much lying and manipulating when yeah. we're addicted to drugs that now we're, we're going to start working on being honest with one another. And we're going to start being honest with family and telling people all these, you know, the, the truth of what would happen. Right. But one of the things I think that a lot of us avoid is that we're, lying to ourselves we're not being honest about these daily things that are happening in our life where Mm -hmm. we could in fact grow by recognizing we're wrong right i always love telling the story real quick version is when my wife and i have a dispute Mm -hmm. i have to be honest with myself immediately because the sooner i'm honest like am i out of line and to be able to look at her and say all right i was out of line and Yeah. yeah to be able to really look at yourself you know we talk about masculinity um, ego. Mm-hmm. And the truth is it comes down to being able to look at yourself and be honest. So that's great. And that's one of the key things in recovery. And it talks about that, like even in AA and stuff is most of us, all of us have the capacity to recover if yeah. we can be honest. And oh, yeah. Yeah, we're talking about being honest, confronting our addiction, but that's just a band-aid. There's all the underlying yeah. issues of anger and this and that or Humility, right? And they talk about oh, yeah. humility a lot. And that's that's cool. I always call it like sweeping off our side of the street. You oh, know, I like I can't, I can't, like yeah. if I piss you off, right, then I got to go, Dave, you know, I messed up. This is what I did. I don't go, Dave, I messed up, but, but it's really your fault, right? It's, it's not the half apology. It's the real yeah. apology that says, I messed up. I'm sorry. 
what can I do to fix it or whatever? And then, you know, it's like an amends where you just leave it at that. And I think that self-reflection is the beauty of people that are in recovery because so many people live life and they never get to that point. Like they're still blaming everybody else, you know, and one of the things we're taught in recovery is, nope, I got to look here first. Yeah. And that's huge. And of course, there's some people in recovery that don't do the suggested work. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that is there is a beauty to that because that's where it helps us in every other aspect of life, like oh, yeah. jobs and communication and leadership and marriage and and everything raising kids is is like my husband's high 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 iq and you know he used to be a lot more arrogant about it and he got sober went through recovery and he said he said you know things changed for me a lot when i realized that i could learn a lot from people that weren't as intelligent as i was you know just because you're smart doesn't mean you know it all and Mm -hmm. having that humility is is huge and then we have less resentment, right? Yeah. Because we're we're looking at our own stuff. You know, we're not angry. One of the things that I like to say, and I'll, I'll watch my language. I have two versions: a dirty version and then a clean version. <laughs> but I always look at myself and say, I know that I'm of importance and relevance, mm-hmm. and and it's just just you feel it, and you're so strong. But then I also have it within me to look at myself and say, hey, I'm not so important. I'm not right. so relevant. And it's that difference between ego yeah. and true self. Right. Exactly. I think that's important is to recognize when it's good to feel good about yourself and right. when there's times you need to be of humility. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you talk also a lot about the amount of time you spent acquiring your addiction and how if we spent as much time as we did trying to acquire drugs as we did trying to work on our sobriety in our life, we could be amazingly successful. I like that. Talk to me about how you incorporate that into your life and into your business and stuff. Well, when I wrote my book, Addiction, Gravity, Love, Mm -hmm. two years ago, the thing that I was searching for was success. What does success mean? What's the definition of it? And all of us have our different interpretation of success. Right. So what I did was I researched over a hundred different personalities who I deemed successful. Athletes, musicians, actors, wow. actresses, uh, tech giants, you know, business owners. Secrets, yeah. And yeah, and so <laughs> I wanted to find the common denominators. And my favorite common uh-huh. denominator was they were willing to do the things no one else is willing to do. Wow. And I I looked at that and I thought they were willing to do the things no one else is willing to do. Mm -hmm. Ask a drug addict what they were willing to do every single day (laughs) to get their drugs. That's brilliant. And I remember having that (laughs) moment of looking at that or just really thinking about that thought and thinking, wow. So a lot of our lives, self-esteem wise, we struggle because we don't believe we can achieve something because we haven't seen ourselves do it. Mm-hmm. But then when you get sober, you start to think, all right, well, maybe I, I can't go for that job. That's for smarter people. That's not for me. Right. And we have those self-esteem issues because mm-hmm. we're not willing to do the things no one else is willing to do. The people who get those jobs are the ones that go for it. Right. And so what I'm trying to express to addicts in recovery is to start looking at themselves and saying, the stuff that I did when I was on drugs and I don't want it to beat them down because a lot of us do horrific things to go get our drugs. But the point being is you've now seen yourself achieve the highest levels of success. 
doesn't matter you were going the wrong way. Right. You now right. can go the right way in your sobriety. Exactly. There'd be nothing you can't do. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And you look at people too. I, I was thinking of Grant Denton for a moment. He's been on this yeah, show before. Yeah. It's like, you know, he was living on the streets, heroin addict, Vegas, doesn't, you know, I mean, he's a super smart guy, but he's, right. but I, you know, and I, I think of like having this education and all that stuff. And I don't know if he has that, but the point of it is, it's like yeah. you can create your own reality, like, and be successful like that. You're mm -hmm. absolutely correct. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you just have to, like you said, put, take all that nervous energy, you know, and so many people struggling with addiction, we have kind of these amazing wild brains that think outside the box. Well, and I, you know? I do believe that addiction itself is so traumatic that if you live through that, it's, I heard something to the yeah. effect that if you really want to get familiar with yourself, go through the worst situation you can possibly go through in your life. And let's see who comes out on the other end. And right. that's your true identity. So when we do, yeah. those of us who do get through that addiction process and we get to a place of recovery, mm -hmm. all of a sudden now you're in tune with this personality that you're like, I had no idea I had all of this in me. So right. you really get to maximize your potential in sobriety because you got through something so traumatic. Mm -hmm. That's that's good. Another thing you mentioned to me is present time thinking. Yes. We could call it uh, mindfulness, maybe. So many different things. Or living in the moment, yeah. <laughs> as they say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. What does that mean for you? One of the ones that I've, I read recently in a book uh, was called Neutral Thinking. And mm. what, the, what the guy's philosophy is, is that you know, when it comes to positive thinking, you're going through something really bad in life. Well, uh, don't worry about it. You're going to you're going to be all right. Just think positive. And you're sitting there thinking <laughs> right. how the frustration level is so strong. There is no thinking positive in this right. moment. Right. So what that suggests is that positive thinking does work, but not all the time. Now, negative thinking that works all the time. True. So where we want to get is to this place of just being neutral. Right. And so when I read this, I was just like, you know, it's present time thinking. He worded it in a way that got me to think about, you know, trying to be positive when there's moments we're not positive. There's moments. Right. We're just we need to kind of sit in that anger, that frustration, mm -hmm. and we need to be able to address it. But to be in just the moment, address it and just focus on each individual moment. Yeah. And this book had a lot to do with professional athletes. Mm -hmm. And of course I read stuff and think about how does that, you know, how does that uh, relate to addiction and recovery? And mm -hmm. I look at it as when a quarterback throws an interception and he stays calm and he just goes to the next play. Well, for us as addicts in recovery, okay, maybe I made a mistake at work, but I need to move on and get to this next moment so mm -hmm. I can get back on track of doing what I'm supposed to. I love that. I, I always think of do the next best thing, which Absolutely. is another recovery word, but it's yeah. really super helpful because we all make mistakes. But I think as people struggling with addiction, we may have been told we were crap. We may have had abuse or trauma or things like that. And so it's easy to, because negative thinking and research says they call it negative effect because, you know, they have to make it sound fancy in psychology, yeah. but negative, negative effect, negative emotions are the number one cause of relapse. Yeah. And it's super easy to, you know, somebody slights us or, or we do something dumb to get so mad at ourselves, but we all make mistakes. We're all yeah. human. And so it's just stopping and saying, okay, 
you know, I, I screwed up. I shouldn't have said that. What's the next right yeah. thing to do? Mm-hmm. Right. So then I would call you and go, geez, Dave, that was a really bad thing to say. I'm really sorry. Now yeah. I've released endorphins. I've done the right thing. Exactly. I feel really good. So, you know, that's, and that's, I think, part of mindfulness as well is just as people coming out of addiction, if you're struggling with addiction, I I think sometimes it's, we just don't slow down at all. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes the, what, what maybe has kept us alive is just like running and doing and fixing and, you know, just, just, yeah. And and we don't stop to even think about what's going on in ourselves, you know? Yeah. Um, but also when I think of mindfulness, I think of working through an emotion. So like not saying like, okay, I'm super sad. We need to sit through that and get to the other side of it. And then rather than just Pollyannish, like, oh, it's all good, you know, because we we actually release chemicals and stuff in our brain when we work through the emotion and the emotion is validated. Mm -hmm. And once we get to the other side of it, then we realize, oh, my gosh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I can actually go through a super awful depression without using anything and I don't die. And this is how a a psychologist explained it to me. You get through the curve and then you realize if you don't bail out, right? If you don't bail out of the feeling and you go to the other side, you realize you can do it again and again and again. And now you're building up, um, what are they like emotional, uh, real estate or whatever, you know, or, or sober, um, Sober equity, I think is what they call it, right? Yeah. (laughs) I did a video months ago on uh, you'll never go broke if you always take a profit. And it had everything to do with the world of investing. Uh But my point was to just have these magical moments and pay attention to all the life around you because you can gather a lot of wealth just by appreciating all the things that are around us on a day-to-day basis. So what you're speaking of is those magical moments where you feel good you're collecting those moments and it starts to create this snowball effect. That's a beautiful one Mm -hmm. that gets you going in the direction of sobriety that now you're able to maintain your sobriety because this feels better than chasing after drugs because this is what you were trying to distance yourself from when it comes Mm -hmm. to drugs. You Mm -hmm. just didn't know how to do it. So by taking that advice and really pushing yourself forward to fight through those emotions. Yeah. And when, when you start getting wins, you start changing as a person. And it's exactly. A beautiful thing. And then you develop like the sober real estate where, you know, we talk about having, knowing who we are, having goals, dreams, values. Um, yeah. So we need things to replace that addiction. So if you're, and that's, that's a huge thing, I think right there, like when you got sober, you had to go through finding out, okay, who am yeah. I? But then also, what am I going to do to fill this hole? Because if you're spending all your time in addiction, and you don't have anything to replace it, healthy friends, healthy yeah. family, healthy meetings, healthy habits, values, things like that, you're not going to be very successful, right? Right. And I look at it like old ways, old habits. Mm-hmm. We're all subject, once again, back to food. We're all subject to our old ways and our old <laughs> habits. Yeah. And we still fight with it. It doesn't matter. All of us as human beings, we have to fight this often. And one of the things that I found of value more than anything was really 
it's not just the people. I always looked at it like people that I surround myself around. That's mm-hmm. really important. And it right. is. But it really is, well, figuring out who I am and yeah. do I value myself? Because a lot of us, when we're coming, that first year of recovery, I didn't have a whole lot of self-esteem. I didn't have right. a lot of value within myself. So you build upon that. Mm-hmm. But I do want to emphasize that the people you associate with, I, I know that my friend circle, mm-hmm. it decreased dramatically in that first year of sobriety. Yeah. All of a sudden, yeah. these people that I thought were friends, no. Right. And yeah. what's really important is we're all wired to have a tribe and be a part of something where yes. we have meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really huge in sobriety is being able to find people who they value what you say. Yeah. So now when they value who you are and you value who they are, now there's this camaraderie that it's like it's healthy and it's organic. Yeah. And that's what we're all in search of in the first place. So think it's a really beautiful opportunity in that first year to be very particular about who you associate with. That's so true. And it's hard if you struggled with boundaries, you attract toxic people, you know, all these sorts of things that we deal with when we come out of addiction and codependency. And I tend to see extremes in recovery, like severe codependency and then like narcissism or, you know, we're we're just, we're kind of like that. And we really have to learn but I read somewhere something about how healthy people will bring out the best in you. Yeah. They'll bring out the best in you. And, and I just try to think about that. Like when you're around someone and this, you know, we have to factor in for our own behavior too. But yeah. generally, if you're around someone and you feel like you're on eggshells, you can't be honest. You feel like yeah. they bring out kind of the worst in you. Like every time you get together, there's this negativity or something that's probably a sign it's not a healthy person for you to be with and anybody anybody that cannot respect your no is not going to be good for you particularly with drugs right anybody that wants you to use they want you to use for them right it's got nothing to do with you they want their old drinking buddy their old heroin buddy back that's what they want they don't want what's best for you so you want people right that respects like, no, man, I'm, exactly. I'm, you know, and if they can't respect that, that's not a person you want to be with right? or and be I, around, you know. One of the things that I found so fascinating in sobriety was realizing everybody's wounded. Everybody's yeah. broken. Yeah. Everybody has something to work on. And so as I was sitting there suffering from all these self-esteem issues and I was dealing with social anxiety, what was fun was to start to look at other people and be like, oh, wow, so... You know, misery loves company over there, too, and they don't have addiction issues. But we're really quick to think that other people are better than us and other people have something more than we have. And so we're really hard on ourselves. And that's what's really great about maintaining your sobriety for years to come is that you start to figure the world out. and You start to figure where you fit at. And what's great is when you can narrow your life down to truth and you're being honest with yourself. Because then you look at everybody else and you're like, wow, misery loves company. And they're just kind of living a lie. I think we're living in a society where there's a lot of actors and actresses. Yeah. And we're looking for authentic. Yeah. No, it's true. You're And you're absolutely right. People are, are craving authenticity. We were talking about yeah. the schools and the kids before that. 
um, cause I was telling, you, I was talking about this, I had a DEA agent on and he was just saying well, ex DEA, yeah. but now he teaches in schools. And, and then my friend, Lori, who, who does school interventions and, and kids and young people are hungry for authenticity. I think yeah, everybody is hungry for, for authenticity and just to be connected. You know, there's such yeah. a lack of connection right now and connections, the main issue. I mean, a lot of people would suggest that's really the root of addiction is lack of connection, attachment disorders, trauma, which all comes down to, I'm not connected and I'm not connected in a healthy way, or I'm only connected in an abusive way. Yeah. And when, when that happens, we develop, we have to survive. Mm-hmm. So in order to survive, I've got to become fake. I got to yeah, build this that's, fake that's person right there, yeah. so I can survive. It's really just a defense mechanism. Right. And then we're not feeling authentic. So then this builds all this other crazy emotions of not feeling connected, right? And that's what they right. mean in AA when they say, I was alone in a crowd. Well, it's because you don't know who you are right? because of all that stuff. And so that's why they say it's like peeling back the layers of an onion, right? It's yeah. just one layer and two layers. But I always think that true recovery is just coming back to ourselves. Yeah, It's like giving yourself a hug, right? <laughs> like that doctor of Gamora or whatever on... On YouTube, oh, he's Gabor Mate. Is that it? I never can say his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or my, he probably oh, he's phenomenal. Isn't that yeah, great? He's one of my that's favorites. like I totally relate to. Yeah. Like that's it. And he talks about trauma, addiction, yeah. attachment Childhood disorder, trauma. and how um, when we do us like if you had a lot of hugs, then um, a drug might not feel like it might feel like a hug to you, but but you've been hugged. And so so many people they take. And, and it could be self-esteem. Like for me, the alcohol made me feel connected and funny and all yeah. this stuff that just was missing. Mm-hmm. So if, if you didn't get that stuff, you take it and people think, oh, I found what I was looking for. Yeah. But that's a fake. It's counterfeit, right? It's totally counterfeit. So I feel like, I mean, did you find that for you when you came into recovery that you had to struggle with all that identity like who yeah, am sure. i you know well, i went i went through the last few years where i was looking at myself and thinking i i'm my best company mm-hmm. as long as i'm intoxicated me and me and drugs <laughs> have this understanding yeah and yeah. me and alcohol have this understanding those were my two best friends yeah and so yeah. i got to a place where i was so distant from humanity mm-hmm. that it, it was actually really awkward to be in rehab and start to socialize right. without drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And yeah. so that is a part of the process. But when you were mentioning connection, I started laughing about the thought that I, I, I read a lot of books, but I read a book called tribe and he was talking about being a part of a tribe. Yeah. And what yeah. happens is, is that we were all designed to be connected yep. and be a part of a tribe. Yes. Well, when we go to the supermarket, mm-hmm. we're amongst nothing but strangers. Yeah. These people aren't a part of our tribe. So it actually kind of creates anxiety just because we, we don't connect with one another. If anything, when we go to the store, we're mad because so many people are selfish and shopping carts are yeah. flying everywhere. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're sitting there just angry when you're out in public, mm-hmm. when you're supposed to be around people and you're supposed to be friendly with people and right? interact and kind. Yeah. And we are losing that connection. Yeah. So. Yeah. So tell me about the work that you do. We yeah. were talking, you were on another podcast of my, or on when we were doing just the audio and we, yeah, yeah. we got to talking about love and what was missing. And I think that that's 
part of it and just teaching people, you know, how do we give and receive love? Not, not like, I love you, man. Not like all mushy all the time, but love is many, many different things. There's consistency, compassion, modeling, being there, being, you know, and it's because, because the, that conversation started when um, one of the questions you said I should ask you <laughs> is what's missing? Like what's missing? Right. You know, and when I was talking with the DEA agent, he was like, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Like we're not fixing this. Right. You know, how, and I so agree. that's like, so there's different ideas of what's missing. How to, do we fix that? And um, I do think that getting back to love, I think that's, a, that's a piece of it. Yeah. I, looked at love and it was funny in my first year of recovery i would tell my wife we got to learn to love ourselves again we got to love ourselves and so i was all ego i'd look in the mirror and just gosh i'm gorgeous and just try i was basically the fake it till you make it yeah and there's there is good evidence for some self-talk like you can do it you know brene brown's like look at the ceiling you know or whatever but but you know you have to parcel that out with some other stuff too, right? Yeah, but what, <laughs> what was beautiful, what my wife said, and it got me to think a lot, was she said, I, I'm not doing that. I don't know how to love myself. I was addicted to drugs for 17 years. I don't know who I am. Mm. If anything, I need to be a better mom and just love my daughter. I need mm. to be a better daughter and just love my mom, her brothers. She looked at it like, let me practice loving my family members because I've been Ooh. ignoring them for 17 years. Yeah. And maybe there I'll start to love myself again. Yeah. And that's exactly what she's done. Now, that by watching her, it kind of helped me distance myself from my ego. Yeah. And what I found really beautiful to learn was that I'm not chasing happiness. I'm actually chasing being content. And the word content and love, I think, are very similar in the sense that we just want to get to a place where we're good. When mm-hmm. you're with your husband and you guys are good and you're on a vacation, you just, things are good. You're content. It's not that you're super over, right? you know, over, you know, uh, happy and going crazy. It's more just being content and good mm-hmm. with the moment. Mm-hmm. Do you think that love is what's missing in the recovery community? Like, you know, we've got scientific data and all this research Mm -hmm. now coming out because for a while you just had AA and stuff and the psychological community just did their own thing and they didn't really deal with recovery. And now they're all on board now because fentanyl and everything like that. And now it's scientific research and, you know, I'm just getting my MS and and I love it, but at the same time, it it gets a little old. It's like cite another scientific article. And I don't know how, I mean, there's some, it's good. It's good to show you how the brain works and it's good to have some education, but at some point we've, you know, got to get back to that, to the really connecting, you know, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. I think when any of us who have been in recovery, we've been told, to practice being good to others, mm-hmm. uh, to to serve for others and helping others. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of what I wanted to be in, involved with over the years. I knew I wanted to get into the world of helping people in the world of addiction. I just mm-hmm. didn't know exactly where. Right. Is it being an interventionist? Do I want to work in a rehab? And then all of a sudden, the world of recovery, it really comes down to reintegrating people back into society. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things to teach people and coach people up on is being good to other human beings because mm-hmm. it feels good. It goes back to what we were saying earlier, just when when you're getting yeah. these wins and you're putting in the work, well, that feeling, that sensation, that's what we yearn for. 
And when you can be good to another human being, mm -hmm. we grow. Well, I think the world of addiction, that to me is love. When you're good to other human beings, yeah, that's a form yeah. of love. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's the accountability piece, right? Where oh, we, yeah. we need one another and we need those healthy people, right? To get mm -hmm. and stay sober. I don't know how many times I kept trying to do it on my own. It didn't work. I had to suck it up. I had to call a sponsor. I had to call yeah. these little sobriety girls every single day for 30 days and go through a daily sobriety renewal. And, you know, I laugh at it because it really didn't suck. It was actually right. the best thing for me, but, right. but you know, I, I can laugh at that now, but I needed those people and I, yeah. I need all those people. Now we need the accountability, especially for, the mindset and the tricky thinking. Talk to me about tricky thinking. Ooh. Uh, you know, <laughs> the stuff we tell, we've been kind of covering that the whole time, the, the lies we tell ourselves, but it can be very, very tricky, I think. Yeah. I, my first thought when it comes to that voice in our head is it's so familiar because yeah. addiction itself, you know, all of us had that experience where where I, for most of us did. I, I definitely drove to my dealer's house thinking, what am I doing? Why am I going here? Come mm -hmm. on, man, we gotta stop this. The addiction thing's gotta stop. That voice in my head, we just kept driving. Yeah. And so when we get into sobriety, we're dealing with a lot of other voices. Food, yeah. what we drink every day, what do we exercise? Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of people, I always talk about diet and exercise. It's just a funny subject to me, just in the sense that mm -hmm. It has everything to do with that voice in our head. Right. And right. who holds us accountable if there's a lot of people that are in recovery and they don't have anything. That is so true. The accountability piece, so super important. Dave, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out and sharing all this great insight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and I appreciate it. Yeah. It, tell people yeah. what you do, how to get in touch with you. The book, Addiction, Gravity, Love, Dave Atherton. Yeah, Addiction Gravity Love is on Amazon. Mm -hmm. You can look it up on Amazon. As far as right now, I am a new life coach. I work with oh, cool. clients okay. individually, one-on-one. -on -one. I have mm -hmm. a six-month program where I help reiterate them back into society. Okay. And it's all about inspiring, encouraging, and motivating them to get familiar with the greatest version of themselves. Okay, awesome. Dave, thank you for hanging out. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And if you can, you can look me up at AthertonLive.com. Thank you so much, friends, for listening to Genuine Life Recovery, playing on your favorite app or on my website at jodystevens.org. It's J-O-D-I-E-S-T-E-V-E-N-S, jodystevens.org. There you can check out my podcast, blog, recovery coaching info, speaking, and more. Check it out.